You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> What's up? Welcome back to Black Guy Therapy. You already know what time it is. It's your boy TC, aka Todd. That's what everybody call me. Y'all can call me TC. I don't care, but we here and Joel is back in the building. Y'all. I'm back after Give vacation. Him a round of applause, man. He's back. Yeah. He's back. He had to take some time off. Um, you know, sometimes you got to take time off just do. To, to, to do what you got to do. Got to reset. Got to reset your brain. And that's what you did, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we're back with Black Guy Therapy. And again, you know, this is a therapeutic podcast. Yeah. So with that being said, what do you got to talk about today? So I got a question for you. Oh, Lord. Yeah, man. So since we've been uh, embarking on this journey. With mm-hmm. the podcast, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time. I think you did the same on Anchor specifically, listening to all the different podcasts that were out there, and I noticed one trend: they were predominantly podcasts by women, specifically dealing with anything with black, black people, black culture. Mm-hmm. Predominantly women, black women. So my on, question on Anchor, this is on, just on just, Anchor. just just Anchor, just okay. Anchor. So just this on is Anchor. just a sample size of, okay. of all the podcasts out there, but just on Anchor. So my question to you is, why do you think there are so many women that are not just uh, creating podcasts, but like literally dominating for the black culture, all topics? That's a tough question. And I've never thought about, I've never thought about that. Um, mm, I had to think about that. So I, I'll say it like this, and okay. this is just off the top of my dome. Okay. Black women throughout history have been the creators, the innovators. They've been the warriors. They've been everything that that the male is now or tries to be now, because not all males are, you know. Yeah. So I could see them with them being that type, you know, we're the lovers and the the fighters and we're going to make sure our people are all right. Cause, right. Cause let's, let's be real black women in America right now. They about it. They about it. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to election, you got to get the black woman vote. When yes. it comes to, to, to saving our black men, you got to get, you know, the black, Oh, sorry, everybody. My dog is in the studio with us. He thinks it's okay to uh, play with his toy, but that's cool. <laughs> but anyway, back to black women. Um, you know, black women, they do everything for, for us. So mm-hmm. maybe they feel that they have to keep that banner up and um, do do these things, do podcasts. That's interesting. So so let me do this because we did have this conversation. When we first started this whole process, we said, Anytime it's not factual, we will say this is my opinion. And this that was my opinion. That was your opinion. And I think you did a good job of prefacing with that. Yeah. I'm going to do the same. This is my opinion. Okay. Personally, I feel like women specifically in the black culture do a much better job. And this is why this podcast, Black Guy Therapy, is so important. They do a much better job of speaking to and addressing the issues that they go through. Yes, they do. And I think because it takes a little bit of work and initiative to create a podcast, to keep it consistent, to create the content, to do the research, do all the work necessary to have a quality product at the end of the day. 
I don't know too many guys that are willing to put in that type of work for something like this where they can't immediately see the benefit. And unfortunately for us, I think the benefit generally has to do with finances. Sorry, everybody. My dog is in here. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Damn it, dog. Well, yeah, I guess that is that is correct. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, no, I, I I totally believe that. So so one of the things that I did notice also, every time there was dudes that were involved in podcasts, the topics were all the same. It was either hip hop, who, who's the greatest rapper, who's the top five, who's the hottest right now, uh, sports, and then you had a little bit of politics mixed with uh, business like real estate, things like that. Mm-hmm. But I never heard one podcast with black men speaking to black men issues mental health physical health wellness uh, uh, just right. success chasing right. the quote-unquote american dream which we need to repurpose that and turn it into something different besides the american dream because that wasn't meant for us but right man i, I agree and I, hell i haven't listened to all the podcasts on on anchor but you know, when I was looking for specifically stuff like this, because because, you know, you never want to you don't want to saturate the market. Absolutely. Right. If they're doing yeah. some if somebody else is doing it, let me do something else. Mm-hmm. I've never been one to, you know, steal an idea or, you know, keep something going. And I get it. everybody has a different take on everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even looking in 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 uh, anchor, I, the only podcasts i saw were legit sports i saw a couple about history that mm. black men were doing but let me let me say this when i looked at them they'd have like one or two episodes and then they fall that's off it. yes yes that's the other thing that i noticed so again that goes back to what i was saying earlier the difference between what i know our women to be today and what our men to be today there's a level of consistency that they bring to the table where they will put in the work to make sure that the content is available all the time. If for whatever reason there needs to be a hiatus, one of the podcasts I listened to specifically, these two young ladies, they spoke to it before they took the hiatus. Then they came back and they have more content after that. So even the ones like you're talking about, I saw some really cool stuff. Right. But it was like no episodes. It was like the concept was there. It was like it was built out, but they had no content available. Or it was one or two episodes, mm-hmm. nothing else. And it was back in 2018 or something like that. So you're like, man, you had something and you just let it go. So why? And, and that's kind of where I'm stuck. Like, what is what is the challenge? What is happening to where, in, in again, just keeping it just to anchor right now, because on YouTube there's millions of podcasts there too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's a large sample of men that do it. So I'm not even, I'm just talking to anchor. Right. And we're powered by anchor. So that's, I mean, this is, this is big for us because we're talking about our platform. Absolutely. Or the, at least the platform that we use, yes, right? The platform that we're a part of. Yeah. So, so again, jumping back into that now, I, I, I want, I'll give you an opportunity to think about that first, mm-hmm. but kind of piggybacking off of that with another question. Okay. Why do you think there is so much, lack of a better word, vitriol between black men and black women right now. And I'm asking this question because I'm wondering, does any of that tie into why it seems like our our women are having much more success with things like this, these entrepreneurial ventures than the men? 
That's a good question. Generally, when people say that's a good question, they don't have an answer. And I said, that's a good question. And I don't have an answer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. I don't have an answer. I mean, that's something that, that, that I would have to think about. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a, that's a, that's a question that we pose to our listeners. Yeah. And if they have it, if they have an answer, they can email us at bgtcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's BGT as in Bravo Golf Tango Cast C A S T at gmail.com. Yeah, please yeah. do that because I'm yeah. I'm very curious, and I think we need to uh, get some guests to come on and speak to some of these issues too because I think I I have a couple in mind. Oh yeah, that we bring need them to, on. We need to kind of start inviting because I'm curious to see their perspective. The last thing I want to do is for when people hear black black guy therapy, they think that. It's a chauvinistic right. show or, or the anti-woman show because right. that's not the point. The point is there are issues that we face legitimately every day. We want to be able to speak to them. Exactly. Period. That's it. However, there's a level of respect that we have, I believe, in the time that we've known each other for our culture in general. The respect doesn't change for man and woman. No. You get the respect just because you're a human being and you get a little bit more because we share the same pigment. Exactly. Hmm. Well, you know, you know, we get them, we get them on the phone, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get them on the show, and and uh, if you know somebody, get them on. Hell, call them today. We can <laughs> we'll get them on today. It doesn't matter <laughs> however they want to do. Text them and be like, hey, call in. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So let me let me do this then, because I have another question. Okay. These are things that have been on my mind a lot lately. I've been watching. This so your state. dude goes on vacation, y'all. And now he's come back with all these questions on his mind. Man, that's me. what happens. You <laughs> sit up under the stars on the beach for a little bit, and you feel all all woke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, I've been paying a lot of attention to even with the organization that I'm a part of in my daytime job. There's a huge diversity and inclusion push, and it's mm-hmm. for women, people of color, transgender. Well, not just transgender, but LGBTQ, mm-hmm. I believe, is the, mm-hmm. is the full. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's such a heavy push. And and when I see the push, I always say the same thing. Okay, who's benefiting from the push? So then when I look at feminism, and I, I feel, and I think we might have touched on this a little bit before, but feminism for me is not for us. It's not for people of color. The reality is women are, are done wrong more often than not. And, and I totally agree with that because I see it firsthand. Right. But when I think about feminism, I think about Sandra Bland. And when she was killed, where were those same feminists? I didn't, I personally, now they may have. I think they, I think they, they, they did. Okay. I, so I, I, rem, I, I distinctly remember there being, now, it wasn't, was it, was it those feminists <laughs> right there? Was it, was it those I don't think so. Now there are there were many of those black Afro Americano black folks mm-hmm. who are out there fighting for, and that that I did see. Now I didn't see none of those feminists out there, but I mean, the, the, I think I think our our folks was out there on the front yeah. lines fighting for. And, and I and see that's where I was going. Yeah. Because I agree. I think that people of color, every time something happens, for the most part, people of color, somebody's going to stand up and say something. Right. So I saw that happening, but I did not see the same support from the other side where the quote unquote air quotes right now where the. Yes. <laughs> where so the, do you think do you think that it's do you think that it's their job to help us? It's absolutely not their job. And that's the point. 
that's the problem I have is like, we know that the support that in any group that you're a part of, there's a level of support that should be associated with that group. If you're not getting that support from the other part of the group, you shouldn't be a part of that group. That's where I'm going with that. So I'm very confused about feminism in general when it comes to our women, women of color, because they don't have the same support. So they're a part of an organization that doesn't respect them. So why are you a part of that organization? That's a good question, too. <laughs> so do so. Do, and, and, and I will and I hate answering a question with a question. Mm hmm. But this is just the way I think about it. Do you think that 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 our women, that black women have to join these these organizations to get the I don't not necessarily the recognition, but to get the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The larger platform. Yeah, the larger platform, because if they didn't, nobody would listen. Mm hmm. You, do you think that? Because I, I think that. Yeah. I think that's why we. I think that's why we join a lot of things mm -hmm. that even us as black men do. <laughs> a lot yeah. of those organizations. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of those organizations today. Mm -hmm. We are killing that button today. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. It's perfect. Um, but I do think that we have to. I say that we have to. I don't think we have to. I think that we choose to. I think that we choose to join a lot of these organizations in order to a f feel like we are equal mm -hmm. to our counterpart, right? Yeah. And we don't have to do that, but we do. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, we've been doing that since integration. Yeah. But I also think that when we when we join some of these larger platforms like that, we do that just because it it helps to we we can reach the masses more. I, I feel that way. Now that could be there's an organization that I'm a part of through my job. There's no way in hell I would I would join it by myself. Yeah. Like just as an as an everyday citizen. But I joined it because it can help me and I know that if I need to say something to them, I will have a larger platform because they have a magazine. I can, you know, I can put stuff in their magazine. Okay. They they have the resources that I don't have. Right. So right. I think that we do join some of these organizations because they have some of the resources that we we don't have. But you, I mean, look at Black Lives Matter. Yeah. They 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 were grassroots, got pissed off, and then it it kind of took over. But I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be very wrong. I may be mixing up organizations, but didn't wasn't there like some star who retweeted or or uh, retweeted the the Black Lives Black Lives Matter creators or did something with them on Twitter and that kind of gave them that notoriety real quick? Did that happen? It, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is that Black Lives Matter was created some time ago. It, it was it wasn't a new so No, we, no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, when we first started seeing it, right. it, it wasn't new then. But, so it but may be. I guess what I'm saying is I I feel like Twitter gave it its its legs. Its yeah. legs, but I also feel as if it, there was some random white star who retweeted them or or mm -hmm. gave them a shout out or said, "Hey, we need to we need to follow these guys. They know what to do." Yeah, and it 
launched them from, you know, this back home grassroots movement to a national platform. Very possible. I, I, again, this is me not quoting a fact here. I, I don't know. Yeah. But and I, and I don't know either. I, rem- I, I vaguely remember saying I may have my organizations mixed up. That's why I'm asking the question because yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, it might have been because anytime something happens quickly like that, you, you, it's always something, some crazy circumstance that provides the the opportunity for that crazy event to happen. Where you hundred followers today, tomorrow hundred thousand. Right. There's always something crazy, so a retweet would make total sense. Right. Um, so another question I want to ask then, because this this has been weighing heavily on my heart. I feel like a lot of the issues that we have in our culture, we're, we're extremely divided in America in general. Yes. But again, this is Black Guy Therapy. This is Black Guy Therapy. We are a therapeutic podcast. Right. And today we're just asking questions. Yep. <laughs> That's all we're doing today. And, you know, if you want to weigh in, um, soon you will be able to call in. Um, yep. Soon you'll be able to do that. But until then, if you want to weigh in, you can email us at bgtcast, bgtcast at gmail.com. Yep. So. My focus primarily is going to be on people of color, the division that I see in our community. Mm -hmm. And I have such a difficult time looking at social media. And I try to I try to stay plugged in social media intentionally because I feel like there's a lot of good content that that circulates via social media and a lot of good nonsense and a lot of great nonsense. I know. I love it. We are so creative. Yes. Yes, we are. And that's why I stay connected, because I'm listening and I'm watching the commentary, the the back and forth rhetoric that goes on, you'll have somebody who will make a statement about a woman and a woman will get mad and then they're going back and forth or a woman will say something about a man, a man will get mad, they're going back and forth. And I'm trying to figure out all of the questions that I'm asking stem back to the same thing. What is going on between black men and black women? What in the world is happening to where there, because I feel like we are getting to a place where people are so much more aware of what's going on. There's so much more information readily available via social media. So it's right at your fingertips. You you, you kind of have to be blind and deaf to miss the things that are going on. Right. But for some reason, that has not changed the arguments that I'm seeing happen. And, and I used the word vitriol earlier, but I mean, some of the back and forth is just outright nasty. I mean... You would think these people, if they were in front of each other, would fist fight, try to kill each other. And it's so confusing to me. So what is what have since black people being in America, what has our um, our white counterpart? What is our white counterpart? Um, <laughs> I love that. freaking thing. What does our white counterpart try to do to us since us being in America? Divide. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you're asking this, and it's almost like a rhetorical question because we know the answer, mm-hmm. but we don't want to come to the realization that that's really happened mm-hmm. or really happening to yeah. us, right? Yeah. See, and that's that's the that's that's the messed up part about it. Yeah. Because it's like, well, shit. I I know I know I can tell I can see it. Mm-hmm. I see it every day. I see it on Twitter. I see when we when we call in. Our women thoughts and and hoes and and I see when when and I know people who are like this who are like I'll ne- matter of fact one of my good friends I'll never date a black woman yeah. 
He's a he is a black man. And he says I'll never date a black woman. It's crazy. I mean, we see it around us every day, and we've comes we, we've come as as the commercial says, nose blind, right? Yeah. Like like the the Febreze commercial, you're nose blind to it. So mm-hmm. we we see it, but we're blind to it, yeah. and we just go on about our day. Yep. And then we catch ourselves being black white supremacists saying. I'll never date a black woman. What kind of shit is that? It's crazy. <laughs> I will never date a black woman. Yeah. That's what he told me. Yeah. I will never date a black woman. Yeah. You are a black man. Yes. Your mama is a black woman. Yep. Your daddy is a black man. Mm-hmm. You have a black sister. You are multiple sisters, right? Wow. You got black brothers and you'll never date a black woman. Never Here's the thing. You ain't got to marry. You're going you gonna to marry whoever you, you love, right? You can't help who you love, black, white, Indian, whatever. That that you can't control. Right. But to say that you won't even consider? Yeah. Think about how much you hate yourself on the inside. Boy, you saying something. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going I'm to hit you like the preacher. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let me, let me say this, because something else interesting. I have a cousin. We grew up, we're same age, maybe a couple of, yeah, just a couple of months apart. He's September, I'm December. For years, he had a crush on this black girl. For years. And he just happened to be fortunate enough to be in a situation where his parents were able to live in a, in a different type of neighborhood, better school systems, all these things that they were able to be closer to their jobs. Just happened to be a better neighborhood, predominantly white, maybe a little bit of Indian at the time. Mm-hmm. And black girls would always say he was corny, he was lame, he was all of these things, but he was just a regular dude. Just a regular dude. Just a regular I, dude. See, I already knew where you were going with this story before you started. So, so here's the crazy part. No black woman wanted to date him. So what do you think became his options white women or anybody anything other than other than what was putting him down right. for the first 15 18 years of his life yep now here's the part this is why i'm bringing this topic up here's the hypocritical stance that we have as people of color if some of our sisters were to see him with a white woman Oh, he with that damn white woman. He with that. He couldn't find no sister. And this is, and and I'm going to let you finish and I'm going to tell you my story, but go ahead. But again, he'd probably be saying, he, you couldn't find no black woman? And what would they call him? Oh, let's see. Well, there are a lot of things that they would call him. (laughs) Let's see. What would be the good term here? I don't know. What what, what would would you say? A sellout? You think they call him a sellout? Yeah, the way he talked. Oh, the that okay. He was so into. you didn't you didn't say all that. So so again, yeah, he, you left neighbor, all that out. <laughs> the neighborhood he was in was ah affluent, affluent. <laughs> so of course, the people that he's around talk a certain way, and you automatically are going to adjust right to your surroundings. That's exactly. What, that's what human beings do. That's what and, we do, and people of color even more so. Oh hell yeah, we're good at it. Yeah, very adaptable, as mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Yeah. So. He's corny, he's a sellout, he's lame, all of these things. But the entire time he was trying to be with y'all, y'all didn't want him. Mm-hmm. That is such a hypocritical stance to take. So you piggyback off of that with your story because I wanted to see if so, there's any parallels. Well, hell yeah, there's a parallel. I'm going to tell you, that that kind of, that that happened to me. So when I got to high school, my, my, my first year of high school, 
the high school I went to was about, uh, it wasn't 50. Well, I guess it was about 50, 50 black okay. and white. Okay. So, I mean, I dated a white chick, but I also had two black girlfriends. Right. Then I moved to Tennessee and I went to a, another high school that now that high school is like 95% white, but it was at the time it was probably about, I don't know, 60, 40. Yeah. Dated a black girl. And then we broke up, ended up with some some white chick, right? But here's the thing. When I started trying to date black women again, like black girls, but in high school, there were black girls who would tell me I wasn't black enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you, going over there with them white girls, right? Yeah. So when I got to college, I mean, for two years, because black women had been putting me down, or black young black girls, and I'm a young black man, yep. you know, I started talking to white girls, right? And then as an athlete, you know, I'm around some 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 black people from from the hood who ain't never seen a white person before. Right. right. So when they see me and they're like, "Bro, you don't even, bro, you can't even." I could. This was one thing I heard from them all the time. I can't even talk to a white girl. I don't even know what that. I don't even know what that'd be like. Yeah. But, you know, they see me and I'm doing this and then they then they feel some type of way about me. Yep. Then I'm not black enough all of a sudden. Yeah. So then when I do go to the black parties and stuff like that and I try to talk to a black girl, then all of a sudden I'm not black enough. Mm-hmm. You ain't. Uh, now nah, you you wanted them. You act like a little white boy. Yeah. You, you tell me these things. But then when I if I'm over here with this white chick and I really want to be with you, you mad at me. Mm-hmm. But I gave you a shot, but you didn't give me a shot. Yeah. Because you was mad. That I was with her, but I was trying to talk to you, but I wasn't white. I wasn't black enough for you. Yeah. I was, I was too white. Yeah, right. Yep. So and and I've gotten that. I got that in college. I got that in graduate school. Um, so I've been there. Yeah, ain't that crazy? It's it's insane. So so another. But but you know what's funny, and I'm I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna shut up. Those black women now <laughs> are like. Damn. Right. Like, damn, I, I didn't see I yeah. didn't see this before. Yep. If I would have just, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And then it's too late for them. I'm, Shit, I'm married. Yep. Like, they're like, well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yep. do nothing now. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, a guy used to hang with uh, still cool, uh, but we just don't we don't hang out like we used to, especially right. since I've gotten married. <clears throat> right. Uh, but we would we would hang out a lot downtown and, and we would. And no, I didn't marry a white chick, by the way. <laughs> Because I know that's kind of what that sounded like. <laughs> Not that it matters. Right. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. <laughs> but we, we used to, uh, he had a lot of connections somehow or the other. And, and we would do a lot of like the backstage, you know, all the passes, the get in freeze, the VIP stuff. No idea how he had the hookups on all this stuff, but he did. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we would do a lot of stuff like fashion week is one of the things that I got to participate in here in Nashville one year. And it was so so crazy to be a black man in this environment mm-hmm. crazy so what i heard very often was you look like you only date white girls mm. not even not even that i've gotten that too i hadn't been seen with a white girl i hadn't given the impression i it, it, there was because nothing. the way you dress the way i dress and the way you carried yourself the way i carried myself you didn't, you didn't carry yourself mad niggerish right yep. like but you look like you date white chicks, and and it used to it used to bother it, it made me mad mm-hmm. when I would hear that, and it made me mad for the wrong reason. I was mad because I don't date no white girl, but, right, right, right. But then I start thinking, I was like, you know what? 
I wonder if that's a confidence issue from these people that are saying it. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because I'm Maybe. like, what it feels like, we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about that template of what something is. Mm-hmm. So if you look at me and, and your thought is, oh, he only must date white girls, there must be something about the template that I'm presenting that says, oh, this is the level he's on and guys on this level only want to do this. There you go. And I was like, this is such a weird and interesting scenario. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic. Though. Very weird. And I didn't, I didn't, again, didn't know how to deal with it. But like I said, it was just a range of emotions from anger to almost like I felt bad. Like, right. man, I feel bad for you because you don't think you're, you're worth it. Right. And that's, that's crazy. And, and I'll say this full disclosure when when I met my wife, now my wife is Asian, mm-hmm. okay? So she's she's not dark brown skin, but she's <laughs> light brown skin. Yeah. She's from the diaspora, right? Yeah. Um, but it's funny because, again, we talk about, um, and I don't, hell, I don't even know if I've shared this with anybody, but, you, but we talk about what we're talking about right now and, and being, <clears throat> being a black man and even having your, your, your not. So I had a grandparent who, which they're dead now. And I don't, I, I never really talked to them, but even when they put you down, like, why didn't you marry a black girl? Like, why, you know, and they say little stuff like that to you. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting. My wife is this Asian woman who, loves back black history mm-hmm. so you know growing up for me it was almost well not growing up but as an as a young adult when i met her because i was i was i guess we met when i was 22 23 mm-hmm. but you know as a young adult with the abuse that i had taken verbal abuse right mm-hmm. from that's what it is from my own people that's what it is yeah. my own women who was supposed to protect me right and to kind of separate yourself from the pack because that's essentially what i did because i was like well if if that's if that's the case whatever I'm, yep. I'm going over here yeah but it was her because she's in she's like a black history guru this is her thing mm-hmm. she pulled me back wow you know what i'm saying like yeah. and then in the weird how how stuff like that happens you yep. you would think that somebody in your own would be the one would be the one mm-hmm. but it took somebody outside of outside of my uh my tribe mm-hmm. similar tribe right yeah. we i mean obviously they're still brown skinned people mm-hmm. but it took somebody outside of my tribe who was into my tribe and who understood the plight of the black man woman in america yeah. to pull me back to be like hey you got work to do yeah. over here on this side that's crazy i don't give a damn what what they told you before but you got work to do yeah isn't that, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Because that's what happened. That's crazy. So, so it, it, I want to I go back to something you said earlier. You said earlier about when, when I was asking the question, why do you think women are dominating on Anchor, mm-hmm. dominating the podcast space? And you, you mentioned about being on the forefront of the fight. Yep. Because they were. Like, you can, you can go back and look at images. You'd see women trying to protect men from, from getting beaten, standing in front of the dogs, getting bit. Yep. All all the worst was happening to the black women too. And they were generally standing up for us. Yep. 
But then you come to the conversation we're having now, and you're like, well, why in the world? What what changed, basically? Mm-hmm. What changed? Because even now you still see it. You'll still see women standing on the front line ready to ready to die for theirs. Yeah. But when it comes to relationships between the two, totally changes the scenario. And and that's for me one of the biggest challenges because I am a huge, huge lover of my people. Love my people. But when I see stuff like that, I and I can't speak to it, I can't understand it. I'm just like, man, what is going on? Why in the world? How in the world did we get here? So, and, and this is me taking a little bit of a detour and then I'll shut up. When I hear people of color say stuff like, yeah, but what, what about black on black crime? Or well, yeah, well, we do this to each other. And I always ask the question, at what point when we were slaves and we had to be there to support each other, we had to have that community mindset and spirit, what changed? Do you think we just woke up one day and said, you know what? I think I'm going to start trying to kill black people because that would be the cool thing to do. Right. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's 400 years of conditioning right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I, again, when I look at the situation that happens just as far as relationships, you're right. You are absolutely right, man. There, the plan was divide and conquer. Yeah. It was a successful plan. It was a devious, diabolical, evil plan, but it worked. It worked. And, and I think, uh, What's that film that they showed in the White House? It was like the first film showed in, oh shown God, in the White yes. House. Um, Birth of a Nation. Birth, was it Birth of a Nation? Birth of a Nation. When they had the black man basically appearing to be a monster and he was trying to get the white woman. Yep. And yeah, they yep. had him looking all terrible. Yes. And, you know, at that time we had a bunch of uh, black representatives in, in state houses, especially in South Carolina. South Carolina had the most, right? And they depicted all those people as dumb, lazy you know, Negroes. Yeah. And, um, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen, I've seen, I haven't watched the full birth of a nation. I've either. seen clips and I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is propaganda. Yeah. And it worked. It did. It worked. And it worked because it was something that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. It was something that was, was new movies, move, moving pictures mm-hmm. on a screen were new. Yes. And not only did they figure out, well, shit, people watch this. But we can put people in a trance watching this and make them think something. Yes. So, and that's where we're at now. Yep. And I guess one of my wishes that I have for my people is that we we really wake up and start just allowing the facts to be the facts. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why the I brought up the whole feminism movement because again that was never really meant to include women of color. Never. However, if we can utilize the numbers to be a stronger force, yeah, yeah, come on in, support our cause when we need you. We ain't going to be there to support yours. But if we can kind of make it look like we got all this power behind us, we're going to do it. But it's almost as if now you see, and I feel like I've seen this done, you'll see people of color who are in these bigger organizations who will create a large stink or, you know, they'll create something large in that uh, organization and they'll break off and be their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hate to use this example, but Candace Owens, she's black woman, very conservative, nothing wrong with being a conservative mm-hmm. black woman, but she's a conservative black woman who used 
she's she's used all of these you know republican talking points and and oh my god this is not a podcast about freaking politics it's a therapeutic podcast but i gotta say this because it's a therapeutic podcast yeah. so um but yeah she's used um these these talking points that republican jews mm-hmm. or or they very conservative white people use and it she's I think that's really how she feels, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's experience is different. Yeah, but it's it's almost as if she's she's been able to weaponize these words because she's a black woman. Yeah, man. And and see, as a conservative black woman, ain't many of them, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when when our white counterparts see that, they they jump, they latch onto that. So it's almost like she's weaponized. So she weaponized these words against our people, and now she is on her own path. Mm-hmm. And because she's on her own path, she's been able to, and I'm sure she's made hundreds of thousands of dollars just going around speaking, yeah. just because yeah. she is her, her word is preaching contrary to what you know. Common, yeah, what's common for man. us. But and and again, I'm not mad at her because if, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel, right? right. If that's if you're a conservative black woman, but be my guest, right? I don't care that you're not in the Democratic Party. Don't give a shit. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're in the Republican Party. I don't care what party you're you're in. If you feel the way you feel, that's how you feel. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, but still, I what I don't like is it's almost as if she's weaponized her words against us. Yeah. And 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 again, I don't think that she did it on purpose. I think that the media actually helped in doing that. She's just saying the way she feel she she felt. But somebody has, you know, you know, been like, well, shit. Let's let's use her as our yeah. as our oh, as our person. Great. This is perfect. This is exactly what we needed. Yeah, somebody from this group exactly that can speak against what this group is saying exactly. And and you know what that reminds me of. Botham Jean's brother. Ooh. I, you, and and I hate to bring I know we talked about we, it already. No, no, but we could talk about a whole oh my God. Have you seen what else? Like did you see the judge who came out and said and, that and came out with her statement? Yeah, what she talked about with the bailiff. She was oh checking her for contraband. Oh no, but but you oh see, you need to listen. So the Karen Hunter show, and, and I, I'll give free pub to the Karen Hunter yeah, show, but Larie, Larie Favor, Larie Daniel Favor, she's the director or acting director of the, was it the Center for uh, Social social Justice? Megar Evers College, of, I don't know, Megar Evers something, but um, it's in New York, and she's a lawyer, and she talked about, um, and I'll have to find that audio clip where she talked about you know that that whole everything that happened in that courtroom, even up to the the witness being murdered, mm-hmm. um, whatever the witness Joshua, Joshua Brown. Yeah. Um, she's she kind of explained how all of that was set up, or it has set this up for Amber Geiger to be like, well, th- there's a mistrial. Yes, and she wants a, a new trial. So so w- what's interesting is, and I heard somebody say this, and I was like, man, that's such a good point. If she was guilty. And why did she plead not guilty? If she knew she did it, why did she, and, and that's where, and, and one of the things that we're going to talk about is how close we are just by the constitution, a few words to still being slaves. Mm-hmm. Words in this country mean a lot. They sure do. So even the way that they, the charges that were filed against her, 
there's a way to be like, yeah, I'm not guilty of that. I did kill him, but I'm not guilty of this. Mm-hmm. So the way it's the way it's described or the verbiage that's used to describe the crime, you can actually leverage that to get out of it. Oh, but, yeah. but the point is, if she's guilty, then why would she attempt to claim to not be guilty? That beer defense is not guilty. And I'll, so you already knew from the beginning that she was going to try to get off. She didn't oh, want to yeah. go to well, jail. And she's like, well, I'm not guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. I'm, I may be guilty of something else, yeah. lesser. Gross negligence. Or, or manslaughter. Yeah. In, in, you know, um, involuntary, you know yeah. involuntary manslaughter or something like that. But I'm not guilty of murder. murder. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what I think about. And then this is the one that I always get into these arguments. And, and not really arguments, but where I know people really just don't like me. I can see it in their face. I can hear it in their tone when I talk about Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And when I say he did the exact same thing. Yeah, you see, when you start talking about Barack, you know, let me let me tell you about Barack. Let me, or let me tell you about my my Barack experience. Go ahead, go ahead, sir. So Barack was the first president that I was able to to cast a vote for. So that's that's a that's a big deal for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember when he got elected. I was in college. I was a I was a freshman or sophomore, freshman or sophomore, one one or the other, right? And I, I'll never forget when he got elected. I had I had the the dope boy Impala with the five <laughs> percent tent. With the system in the back, we rode around campus, uh, bumping Jeezy. My president is black. Yeah, all night long. Yeah, yeah. drunk. Probably shouldn't have been driving. Sure. <laughs> <I'm positive. laughs> but, but but that's my Barack story. So yes, I get it. He's very close. He's very dear to a lot of people. Very much so. And when you talk about him, some people get upset. Yeah. I'm not gonna get upset if you talk about him. Yeah. But some people do. And see, that's the thing. So so I, I what I try to do is I try to separate the person because I don't know him as an individual. I don't know yeah. him as a person. So I can't speak to that. Only thing I can speak to is what he represented. Right. And what he represented was 50, 50, 50% of what he represented was that hope and that faith that, mm-hmm. that we've been holding on to for so many years that things are going to change for us. Mm-hmm. The example that he set with his family, with him as an individual, think about all the crap that's coming out with your boy 45. Oh man. All how much came out about Obama? Nothing. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, well, well, he wore a tan suit. Yeah, that there was that. That that, that was a big that deal. Was, there was that was that. the biggest scandal yeah. of his of his uh, <laughs> his career was wearing a tan suit. Yep, and that he liked to play basketball. Yeah, they didn't like that either. They didn't like that. So I think the tan suit suit was worse than oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Like they they said he was unpresidential. Yes. Like I was like, wow, yeah. for a suit, for a suit, <laughs> for a suit. but. You get my drift. So, oh yeah, I there were you. things about him that were extremely positive and beneficial and necessary for the culture. Right. At the same time, every struggle that we were still facing, even though he was the president for eight years, it didn't change. No. And the fact that he was president—that was the defense. Now, well, what do you mean? There was just a black president. Right. Everything is fine now in America. It's right. Fine. You're exaggerating. You're making a big deal. You're bringing up stuff that happened hundreds of years ago. I didn't have anything to do right. with that. Right, ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah, these are the arguments that are had. Yeah. So it was. It's, it's just this weird dynamic with uh, Barack Obama, and, and where I'm, I'm a fan of of what he meant in certain instances. Oh yeah. But I hate that he was such a staunch supporter of other things that had nothing to do with us. But see, I blame us. I blame us because. 
he specifically told us, I am not the president of black America. I'm the president of all America. Yeah. If you want me to do something, make me do it. Mm-hmm. Now, we learned a little bit since then, and we've, well, and I think because our president, our current president is not the, he's not the smartest. Um, we've learned that if we go to the well and ask, especially right now, mm-hmm. we'll get it. Now, we didn't go to the well and ask with Barack, right? Because we were just so happy that we had this black family that didn't have no scandals and it was the the model family. It's mm-hmm. like the freaking Hunstables of the White House. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Don't you talk about my Barack. I put a picture of Barack on the wall right next to black Jesus. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I think... I think that we were so enamored with that idea mm-hmm. and with the symbolism and what it looked like that it blinded us from getting work done. And he told us multiple times, if you want me to do something, make me do it. Because, and we didn't. Now, we see where we're at now. We're, we're, we're not in the best place, but we're not in a, a, a terrible place, but we're working to get better. Yeah. And you can see that black groups have already started going to to Donald Trump um, and he's giving them what they want because they're asking for it. And now if we would have did the same thing with with Barack, maybe that would have happened. But we won't know and we won't have a chance to know because he can't be the president no more. Right. I will say this. I I believe there are smaller policies and, and changes that we could have spoken to. that you're right about. But I will also speak to reparations as a very, very large conversation that did come up, that was brought to him, that he spoke about. Mm -hmm. And there was no traction for people of color. But you know who did get reparations on his watch? Uh, Which group of people? There were a couple, right? I I don't don't know. I know there was... I'm sure there was. Yes. So specifically, let's speak to the Jews, to our Jewish, to our Jewish light skin brothers and sisters. Okay. They received reparations on his watch for something that didn't even happen in this country. Mm -hmm. And I found that interesting. I also found it interesting that he came out on his on his first campaign being this staunch Christian, uh, really devout Christian. And then second term. He loosened up the the tie a whole lot Mm -hmm. and was heavily in support of all things LGBTQ. Yep. And I thought it was interesting because I'm like, that was the first time when I said to myself, you know, the president presidency is a job. Mm -hmm. You get paid to do that job. Yep. Like any other job. Like what? $275,000 or something like that. Something. I think it's something like that. Something crazy. 275. 250 something like that. Maybe more than that now. See, I was thinking it was like 400, but I, I maybe a hell, I don't know. I, I remember reading it in in elementary school. The yeah. president makes this much money. Yeah, I remember that. Like, oh, just yeah. a lot of money. Oh my god, I want to be president. <laughs> but think about that. If if and I'm going to tie this all back to the original conversation, which is the division separation between men and women of color. But it just made me think about 400,000. 400. I thought I thought that was that that when I was a kid it was two hundred and fifty. Yeah, inflation. Inflation. Yeah. Now it's four hundred thousand annually. 
So then it made me think, hmm, if the president gets paid to be the president, if everybody in the Senate, everybody in Congress, city council, if all of these positions are paid, I'm not against it, but it's a job. Mm -hmm. In my job that I have right now, I'm going to do the work necessary to keep my job. Mm -hmm. If I want to advance, then I'm going to work a little harder or I'm going to make sure that you see the good stuff that I'm doing. Yep. And I'm going to try to cover up the stuff where there may be some issues. It's the same thing. And it made me a little uncomfortable with politics at that point to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this because I don't want somebody telling me I've got to make a choice and it, I've got to pick the lesser of two evils. I want to be able to make my decision. And the whole political system in general, we know is corrupt. Everybody has said this, but we still hold out this hope. Now, one thing you said to me that I cannot argue with is there's no way that they would withhold the ability to vote from us if yeah. there wasn't something to it. They, they wouldn't try to suppress the vote if it didn't matter. If it, yes. And, and I was like, that's, that's a good point. And I was like, well, I agree with that. Flip side to that is, what if they just wanted to withhold it? Just to withhold it the same way they called us three-fifths a human being. So the point that I'm making there is we don't know the motives. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part. But we, what we do know is that, and we talked about this also, laws are made on the fly all the time for our hey, brothers yeah. and sisters. <laughs> right? Right. And that's what scares me. We're, we're putting our faith and our stock in a system that systemically has been against us and systemically and with tons and tons of, of, of samples of, of data flips the script for their people. But see, and, and, there's, and, and there's why you vote. Because if you vote a person in who looks like you, they get to go to the, to the, to the well and fight. You know what I'm saying? Like they should. I mean, you, we got John Lewis. John Lewis, he tries his hardest to do his thing, right? We got Maxine Waters. She tries she, her hardest. She's loud. She's. She, I like Maxine. She's she's Auntie Maxie, what she, they call yeah, her, right? Yeah. We got. I mean, we got Cory Booker. We got Kamala Harris. We get you know. Now some of them. Are, are just there to get to collect a check mm -hmm. and i understand that mm -hmm. but some of them actually i think actually really want to make a difference i don't know I, and this is just my opinion but at this point i feel and and i'm sure john lewis is, is putting forth stuff mm -hmm. but i feel at this point right now he's he's more symbolic than anything okay and, and that's just my opinion yeah and I, i'm sure he's 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 still doing the work and he knows he he has to do the work he's been doing the work since dr king yeah aoc i think i believe wholeheartedly she's doing the work and we see that or at least the clips we see on on tv show us that she's out here yelling and screaming and and at least trying to do the work yeah. so i think that the, that we do put people of 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 color in and i count alc she's brown skinned spanish-speaking black person mm -hmm. light light-skinned black person yeah. but Span i'll say she's spanish-speaking black person um they are here doing the work trying to trying to make it better for people to look like us at the end of the day 
So, so I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Here's what I will say though. Talking to my mother-in-law and we had, a, we were, we always have these really great conversations. I love talking to her cause she's a wealth of knowledge, extremely smart woman. And the conversation we had was about Obama and, and Trump. And I said, my beef is, while we know, I, 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 will, I will be willing to bet that Obama came into the White House with great intentions. No doubt. For people of color. No doubt. Nobody can tell me that, no, he came in there intentionally to do damage. Nobody could tell me that. My beef is, Obama had to play the game. Of course. That's my problem. When you know coming in, you have to play a game that other people aren't playing, that means you're not on the level with them. Right. So what are we really doing? And that's what bothered me. So my, my stance that I took was, you know what? I would va- vote locally before I voted for the presidency right. because I think change can be affected quicker locally. Exactly. So I, I do believe that. But just to know that Trump can get out here, say, do whatever he wants, controversy after controversy. I just saw today a report that uh, Rudy Giuliani, some of his folks just oh, got yeah, arrested. They, yeah, they got arrested, and he's under investigation. It's This is like a practical, this is a movie, man. This is going to be it a is. great movie, it a is. great Netflix series. <laughs> but here's the point. Giuliani ain't. Trump ain't. But all they people around him is falling. Oh, so, yeah. So what does that tell you? <laughs> and that's my problem is that, if Trump were, I'm sorry, if, if Barack Obama were anywhere close to any of these controversies, they would have put him in, in, in Gitmo or right. Guantanamo. They put him somewhere where he couldn't get out. And as we're talking, acting Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McAllen uh, has resigned. As we're talking. Isn't that crazy? This is, this is going to be the best movie this ever. Is a movie. <laughs> So as now, we're talking now, let me do this. Let me tie it back to the original topic. Okay. Everything that we see happening every time we leave our front door, every time we turn on the television, turn on the radio, everything that happens is all about division. Mm-hmm. My mom always told me, if you want to keep people, if you want to control people, you keep them scared and you keep them stupid. So you withhold or, or entertained or, or entertained. Yeah. Keep usually, entertained. usually fear is entertaining. What, what, what was that guy? One of those Roman people said, give them bread and wine. Give them a circus. Was it something about bread and wine in the circus? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. You, you never heard that about the bread and wine? Maybe. Hold on. Um, yeah, let's, let's uh, do some, some uh, fact finding on that quote. Cause I need to know who said it. Hold on, maybe we can figure this out here. But why? But why you're searching that? Yeah, go ahead. Finish. Finish your thought. Yeah, my mom always told me you want to control people, you keep them scared, keep them stupid, and yes, entertained as well. And when I look at the world, that's all it is. Yeah, it's fear. There's a new boogeyman every week. And I was reading a a, a quick article about um, Muammar Gaddafi the other mm-hmm. day, and all the things that he was offering. That's why they killed him, man. Gaddafi was about to he was about to change the the system absolutely and I I am I'm, I'm I hate to say something I actually I don't hate to say this and maybe I do because this is going out into the to the world I'm a conspiracy yeah. theorist guy like oh my god oh I love conspiracy uh but yeah he was gonna change some he was gonna change a whole system and yeah. when you change a whole system like that and and disrupt an industry mm-hmm. uh either the people who benefit from the industry either get with it or they get rid of you. Yes, sir. So <laughs> and, and they the got be- rid of him. The beauty of what he was doing is that it was all backed 
by natural resources, yep. which the American dollar is not. Yep. So we, we were taking off the gold standard in the 70s with Nixon. Yeah. So, so potentially, it would have collapsed the economy mm-hmm. 100%, and America would have become potentially a third world country. Well, and you see that, and, and we're running out of time, but I'm going to say this quick. Venezuela mm-hmm. is starting to back, they wanted to back their current, because their, their dollar is, ain't worth shit right, right now. Right. They wanted to back their currency with cryptocurrency, <laughs> but their cryptocurrency was backed by oil because oil is the number one producer. Mm-hmm. And as we see what's going on, they're revolting in parts of Venezuela right now, yeah. and there, there's chaos. Now, I think that's by design. I think they don't want them to do that, so they got a whole bunch of mess going on down there. Yeah. But that's another story for another day. We're running out of time, so we, as you know with, or as you know, when we're running out of time, we have what's on your mind. What's on your mind when we're running out of time? What you got? All right, so based on today's topic, here's my homework for you for this week. My brothers, my sisters, please, please, please do a much better job, the best job you can of those dividing lines that you see that are created in between us. Remove those. Stop calling people out for being different than you from their circumstances, from how they grew up, where they grew up, how they talk, how they walk, how they act, what movies they like, what hobbies they like. If they share your color, stop treating them bad because they're not into the same things that you are. Let's do a better job. Please. And this has been a great show. Yeah, we had a good time today. We had a good time today. This is the first time where we actually got to enjoy a a bit of an adult beverage. Got to. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Well, you know, I don't have anything for you, but I'll leave you like this, like I always leave you. Um, I don't know. Keep your eyes on the prize and your hands out my pocket. I <laughs> <laughs> got somebody shot left. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's all I got today. Uh, Joel, you got anything else? That's it, man. All right. Well, as we let the music play us out, ain't got nothing else to say. So, we out. Peace.